0: Section fifty two of Norway, Sweden, Denmark, Iceland, Greenland, and the Search for the Poles. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Colleen McMahon. The World's Story, Volume Eight Norway, Sweden, Denmark, Iceland, Greenland, and the Search for the Poles. Edited by Eva March Tappen. Section fifty two. Waldemar Otterdag and the Hansa thirteen sixty one by Helen Zimmerman, the Hansa or Hanseatic League was a great trading company formed by a union of seventy or eighty cities in northern Germany. It became so powerful that it monopolized the trade of the greater part of Europe. Kings were often obliged to bow to its authority and recognize whatever laws it chose to make. It was especially strong in the lands around the Baltic and at Visby on the Swedish island of Gotland it had a great store of wealth. Valdemar was determined to drive away the foreigners and break down their power, the editor. In the year of Christ, 1361, King Valdemar of Denmark collected a great army and said to them that he would lead them whither there was gold and silver enough and where the pigs eat out of silver troughs. And he led them to Gothland and made many knights in that land and struck down many people because the peasants were unarmed and unused to warfare he set his face at once toward visby they came out of the town towards him and gave themselves up to the mercy of the king since they well saw that resistance was impossible in this manner he obtained the land and took from the burghers of the town great treasures in gold and silver after which he went his ways thus the contemporary chronicler of the franciscans of st catherine at Lübeck, by a skilful coup de main waldemar had indeed made himself master of gothland then under swedish suzerainty and of the wealthy city of visby his aim had been booty and he had it in rich measure in the shape of gold of fur and silver vessels legend tells that the year previous to the attack waldemar had visited Gotland disguised as a merchant securing the love of a goldsmith's daughter whose father held an influential position in visby and who in her loving trustfulness revealed to him the strength and weakness of the island and town thus helping him to secure the spot that was rightly regarded as the key to the three northern realms the inhabitants unprepared unarmed had been unable to offer much resistance it was a terribly bloody fight this that raged outside the walls of visby the site of it is marked to this day by a cross erected on the spot where eighteen hundred gothlanders fell before the gates of visby the goths fell under the hands of the danes runs the inscription as was the custom among the conquerors of olden days valdemar it is related entered the city not by means of the gates that had been forcibly surrendered to him but by a breach he specially had made for this purpose in the town walls the gap too is shown to this hour when he had plundered to his heart's content aided in his finding of the treasure by his lady love after he had added to his titles of king of the danes and slavs that of king of gothland valdemar proceeded to return home in his richly laden ships but it was decreed that he should not bring his booty to port a great storm arose in mid-ocean it was with difficulty that the king escaped with his life his ships were sunk his coveted hordes buried in the waves there are still shown at visby the two fine twelve-sectioned rose windows of st nicholas's church in which according to tradition there once burned two mighty carbuncles that served as beacons to light the seamen safely into harbour in the days of the town's prosperity these stones it is said were torn from their place and carried off by Valdemar. the Gotland mariner still avers that on certain clear nights he can see the great carbuncles of st nicholas's church gleaming from out the deep as for waldemar's lady-love whom it is said he abandoned as soon as his purpose was attained She was seized on by the infuriated townspeople and buried alive in one of the turrets of the city walls, known to this day as the Virgin Tower. It is difficult to decide whether Valdemar foresaw the full danger and bearing of his high-handed step, whether he knew what it meant to plunder a city like Visby, one of the strongest arms of the Hansa. He had certainly thrown the gauntlet down to the towns. He was quickly to learn that the power which some years ago had successfully beaten his predecessors had but grown in strength since that date on the first news of valdemar's treachery the baltic cities laid an embargo on all danish goods and then called together a hasty council in which it was decreed that until further notice all intercourse with denmark should be forbidden on pain of death and loss of property then they put themselves into communication with norway and sweden in order in the event of a war to secure the alliance of these countries an assistance that was the more readily promised because their sovereigns were at feud with Valdemar. To defray the war costs, it was determined to levy a poundage tax on all Hanseatic exported goods. A fleet was got ready with all possible speed, and when everything was in order, the towns sent a herald to Valdemar with a formal declaration of war. In May 1362, their ships appeared in the Sound, and brilliant success at first attended their arms. Copenhagen was plundered, and its church bells carried to Lübeck as the victor's booty. At Scania, the cities looked to meet their northern allies in order, in conjunction with them, to take possession of the Danish strongholds on the mainland. Here, however, disappointment awaited them. Whether lack of money or fear had deterred the northern kings from keeping their word is unknown. At any rate, they did not put in appearance with their armies. The burgomaster of Lübeck, Johann Wittenborg who commanded the Hanseatic fleet, saw himself forced to use the men he had on board for the land attack. He held himself the more justified in doing this, since he deemed he had so thoroughly routed the Danes that from the side of the sea there was nothing to be feared. This decision was rash, and Wittenborg was to atone for it with his life. Already it seemed as if the stronghold Helsingborg's was in his hand. He had been besieging it sixteen days with great catapults, when waldemar suddenly appeared with his fleet upon the Scanian coast surprised the handsome vessels that had been left with but a feeble crew and carried off twelve of the best ships and most of their provisions and weapons the consequence was that wittenburg saw himself obliged to return with the remnant of his army to Lubeck. he found the city embittered against him in the highest degree for his defeat though it saw that the main guilt of the disastrous end of the war lay with the faithless northern kings the stern, free city deemed it right, not only towards itself, but also to its sister-towns, to punish heavily the unsuccessful leader. Wittenborg had hardly landed, ere he was arrested, chained, and thrown into a dungeon. Here he dragged out a weary year of imprisonment. Lobeck was a stern mistress who knew no mercy and can brook no ill success. In her dictionary, as in that of youth, according to Richelieu in Bulwer's play, there might be no such word as fail wittenborg had of course been at once deprived of his burgo magisterial honors a year after his defeat his head publicly fell under the executioner's axe in the market-place of Lubeck. burial in the councillor's church was denied him he was laid to rest in the cloisters of the dominicans the spot where all criminals were interred in Lubeck during the middle ages the spot where down to our own era all criminals passing that way to execution received from the pious monks a soothing drink as last farewell to life further wittenborg's name is absent from the record of the burgomaster's an omission in this place which doubtless has the same meaning as the absence of Marino falieri's portrait among the long row of doges in the venetian palace the election of a burgomaster as leader of the troops is quite in character with the spirit of those times such trade warriors are not uncommon in the history of the hansa Within the roomy stone hall that served as entry and storeroom to those ancient dwelling houses, it was usual to see helmets, armor, and sword hanging up above stores of codfish, barrels of herrings, casks of beer, bales of cloth, or what not besides. To this day the stranger is shown in the marketplace at Lübeck the stone on which Wittenborg sat before his execution, and in the collection of antiquities is the chair of torture in which he was born thither. So sternly did the Hansa punish. Voldemar compared the Hansa to a flock of cackling geese and continued his attacks, but before long the geese could dictate their own terms, and Valdemar was obliged to agree to whatever terms they chose to name. End of section fifty two This recording is in the public domain.